everyone, it's Andy Tate, and this is Welcome to Paradise, It Sucks, the podcast that recounts the worst vacation, holiday, and out-of-town adventures ever experienced by our poor, unfortunate listeners who are also very good at storytelling. You know how stories go around here. Our subjects share a story of a bad trip, a terrible vacation, or something horrendous that took place when they were supposed to be relaxing and enjoying themselves. This week, we step further into the future, or the past, it's complicated. See, it involves an electric vehicle, an ill-advised road trip from Chicago, and unlimited lederhosen. Yeah, you heard that right. And this story takes place from the icy lakes of Lake Michigan to the honky-tonkin streets of Music City, USA, aka Nashville. So charge up the electric car, get out your Daisy Dukes and cowboy boots, and prepare to sweat while eating hot chicken. It's Welcome to Paradise, It Sucks, episode 20, Smashed in the Nash. Today, our story starts in the John Hughes suburbs of Chicago. Remember the John Hughes films? The Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, Pretty in Pink? Well, they were all set in the same upper-middle-class suburbs of Chicago. And that's where our story begins, in 2016, 30 years since Molly Ringwald graduated high school. And for Stacey Sherman, a 31-year-old recently divorced substitute teacher, she had one thing on her mind following the dissolution of her marriage, a road trip with her BFF to Nashville. I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, and you could tell by my accent, right? Anyway, I've been living in the same neighborhood since I graduated high school. I married my high school sweetheart, Larry, and we moved into his parents' house once they passed. I was literally three blocks from where I grew up. I'd always wanted to leave the suburbs, but it just didn't feel like it was in the cards. Around 2015, Stacy and Larry began fighting. Stacy wanted to go on vacation to Nashville and see her country heroes sing live music and go to all of the fun bars on Broadway. She even bought a pair of cowboy boots and some Daisy Dukes that made her feel pretty cool. I bought one pair of cowboy boots for $100. They were so cute and I loved them. I wanted to get them to sort of like prepare myself for the trip I hoped we were eventually going to take to Nashville. But there was one problem. Larry also claimed they were broke. They never took vacations, even though he was supposedly making upwards of $250,000 per year. We should have been really well off, but Larry kept saying there wasn't any money. I didn't get it. We didn't have kids or anything, and the last thing Larry had bought was a new electric car, a Chevy Bolt. It wasn't cheap. He got the top of the line model and all that, so I got suspicious, and I hated that he had spent so much on a car. A few days later, when my credit card was declined at a grocery store, I called our bank and found out about a bunch of missing money and some odd financial moves that Larry had made without consulting me. That's when I found out about Katie. Turns out Katie was Larry's extramarital affair. She was his head of marketing and was just out of college. Stacy pretty much realized that he had been spending all of their extra cash on his mistress and confronted him one night at the dinner table. I showed him all the evidence, the missing money, the bank records, and some text messages I had intercepted in the cloud. That was the killer. My friend Dana told me that she had caught her husband cheating in the cloud and suggested I look into it. I had no idea what the cloud even was, but she showed me how to look at old texts and sure enough, it was all there. 
the affair, the sexting, everything. I confronted him and Leary went numb and begged me not to leave him. With the affair out in the open, Stacy held all of the cards. She knew that spousal support would be substantial, so she tried to make it work. Larry cut it off with Katie, promising to change, and told her he would take her anywhere she wanted for an apology vacation. Stacy, unsurprisingly, chose Nashville. I love Nashville. Well, I had never been there, and but I love the TV show. <laughs> I love the music, and I kept hearing where all these bars on Broadway where musicians played live guitars and people drank cold beers everywhere. I just really wanted to see the Grand Ole Opry, the Ryman, Tootsies, <laughs> all of that stuff. So Larry agreed to take me and even sprung for first class plane tickets to Music City, USA. Stacy was elated until the next morning before the flight was supposed to leave. I was checking Larry's iPhone texts and stuff and making sure he wasn't seeing Katie again and everything seemed cool for a while. He was acting upset that I wasn't trusting him until I found out about what a burner phone was. Have you ever heard of a burner phone? They're manufactured by a cheap carrier like Boost Mobile. You get them in convenience stores and they don't track any of your activity. And how did I find out about it? Larry, that dumb bastard, left his burner phone in his desk drawer one day when he went to work. That morning, I heard a mysterious ringing. Sure enough, the call was coming in from Katie's cell phone. Rather than picking it up, she just sat and watched it ring over and over. Her heart was broken, especially when Katie texted back that she missed him and was wondering if they were still on for the hotel that night. So I texted her back, acting as Larry. I said, of course, babe, wear something sexy. She writes back, what about black lingerie nighty you got me? I write back and say, sure. But then I told her to switch hotels to meet me at a different hotel than what we had originally picked. She says okay, and I was pissed and heartbroken. But at least I got a little revenge at the end there. Um, Stacy, being that this is a vacation podcast, remind me how and when we got to Nashville. The first thing I did was change my name on the airplane ticket to Nashville. I was going to take my friend Dana, who had taught me about the cloud, so I rebooked Larry's ticket in Dana's name. I packed for the long weekend and put everything by the door, and then Larry came home panicking. He starts looking everywhere for his burner phone, so I got the heck out of there. I took his Chevy Bolt and I drove away, knowing damn well that he was going to find those messages I had sent to Katie. <laughs> By the time he found his phone, I was already halfway to Dana's house and she had a couple of bottles of Chardonnay waiting for me. <laughs> he had such a good old fashioned drunk cry. But here is where things go a little crazy. All the wine that they were drinking caused them to miss their flight. It's a story a lot of folks can relate to, but when you have two first class tickets booked, missing a flight hurts a little more. Our flight to Nashville was at 7.30 a.m. and we woke up at 7.15. We tried to get to the airport, but Midway is so far away. We both felt defeated, but we made it an hour later and they informed us all that the other flights were booked so we would not be able to make it to Nashville unless we wanted to wait around and see if there were any first class no-shows. At this point, we were so hungover and hungry 
So rather than a gourmet first-class meal in the sky, we were eating a sub sandwich from a chain restaurant in the departures area. But Dana convinced Stacy to get to Nashville another way. After all, they had a hotel for that night and didn't want to miss out on anything that Larry had paid for. Dana convinced me to drive rather than wait around the airport. And since I had Larry's car, we were going to drive that all the way to Nashville. Chicago to Nashville is about seven and a half hours and about 480 miles. It's a straight shot south. My friend used to do it in college, so I figured, why not? I hated anything Larry was associated with. So if his car got some extra miles on it, who cared? I had never felt this free until we got about 30 miles down the freeway and I realized the stupid electric car was only charged to go 131 miles. Ah, they call it range anxiety disorder. It's a feeling when you think it won't make your destination based on your vehicle charge. We barely had enough charge to get us to Purdue University in Indiana. My heart started racing and I suddenly became super frustrated. Nothing was going right for me ever since I had walked out on Larry. Oh, he was calling me every 20 minutes too, claiming that he was gonna report the car stolen even though it was in both of our names. So I'm driving and listening to his voicemails and Dana's looking up electric vehicle charges and guess what? Indiana hadn't exactly embraced the electric vehicle movement yet. Everywhere we looked were pickup trucks and American muscle cars and stuff. No charges anywhere within our reach. I suddenly felt like a liberal loser. And then the electric charge finally ran out. We were down to about two miles and we noticed a gas station. We pulled in and asked if they had EV chargers and they just basically laughed at us. I didn't know what to do, but Dana was like intent on getting to Nashville no matter what. So she offered to rent us a car. We found a nearby spot and got a cheap economy car. I think it was a Ford Festiva or something. So you went from traveling in first class next to who knows what famous country singer to driving in a 2013 Ford Festiva? That's a rough one. What did you do with Larry's car? We just left it. <laughs> If he, if he wanted it so badly, he was going to have to tow it back to Chicago. I was done with it. Anyway, we took turns driving and talking about our crappy marriages and men. And then we started getting excited a few hours later when Nashville started getting closer. Arriving in a new city for vacation is always an exhilarating feeling. You never forget that first night when the energy is high and the air is full of potential. But Nashville had other plans for Stacy and Dana. It was October and I had no idea that Nashville has this crazy like 10 block Oktoberfest party every year. Well, it was in full swing when we got there. Our hotel was in this cute small area of Nashville called Germantown, go figure. And it was full blown Oktoberfest outside. Thousands of drunk people were dressed in lederhosen, drinking and going down beer slides and dancing to loud, I mean loud, Oka music. I had expected to come into Nashville and hear some Garth or Shania or banjos and fiddles, you know? And instead I was listening to accordions and tubas and clogs. It was the worst. Not only that, but this Oktoberfest eventually spread onto the streets where Stacy and Dana wanted to go hang out. 
We got to the hotel, changed into our most Nashville outfits, and we went out downtown, far away from the German beer garden and the bratwurst and all that. I wanted to see Tootsies and hear live music and meet local cowboys. I was up for anything. I didn't expect to see as many drunk Oktoberfest people out in their honky tonks. They were everywhere. They took over the city. All I saw were sloppy beer drinking Oktoberfest people mixed with drunken bachelorette parties. These girls all had these t-shirts on that said smashed in the Nash and poor decisions. Poor. Spell P-O-U-R, of course. Right. Nashville bachelorette parties have become as popular as the live music scene in Nashville. Everywhere you look, drunk girls are falling off of pedal taverns, wearing suggestive plastic hats, and screaming into the night sky for some band to play a cover of Wagon Wheel. It was not the Nashville I expected, especially because of these bachelorette girls. They were so obnoxious, doing fireball whiskey shots and stumbling around. And then one of them, who was in front of us at the bar at Tootsie's, ordered a shot and spit out some sort of hamburger on the floor, which got all over my cowboy boots. The same boots that I had been saving for my Nashville trip. She didn't even apologize. She just laughed and sauntered off. Poor Dana had to borrow a washcloth and clean this half regurgitated hamburger off my boots. Not cool. And then things got a little crazier, right? I wanted to ditch Broadway altogether and go somewhere else. I guess the madness of the bachelorettes and the German lederhosen was making me long for some, just a quiet glass of wine or something in a smaller area. But Dana wanted to get hot chicken. Nashville is famous for the spicy hot chicken and she demanded we go wait in this 45 minute long line to try the stuff. I wasn't hungry at all because the drunk girl's food still sort of smelled on my boots. (laughs) But I went with her to this place about a half a mile away and we got in line. The line wasn't exactly moving. Well, it was slow, but it wasn't as out of control as the bars had been. So I took time to just reflect on why I was there. Larry, the affair, Katie, and all of that. It just like, it became sort of funny. It started laughing. It's just ridiculous. this younger kid who was sort of cute but also had a sketchy vibe the kid seemed sketchy because well he was a drug dealer when he saw stacy laughing uncontrollably he thought she might just want some marijuana or other party favors so he walked up to them and offered them a score (laughs) i had not even thought about pot since college okay And and Dana used to smoke a little more than I did, but pot was never my thing. But this kid thought we were looking to score. Dana took me aside and whispered in my ear something about escaping and forgetting about Larry and all that. So for some reason, I, I agreed to buy some pot. It turned out that the dealer was an undercover cop. Stacy and Dana were arrested on the spot and taken off to a local holding cell downtown. Ugh. So stupid. I had forgotten that Nashville is still, well, the South. And to this day, one of the last states without any form of legal cannabis operation. And I was looking at some sort of jail time. I was so scared. Dana was a little calmer, but we were taken downtown and booked for intent to purchase a controlled substance. I was like, 
Have you seen all those drunken bachelorettes down in Broadway? That's way worse than buying a little weed. With nobody to call in Tennessee, Stacy thought that they would be stuck in jail for the night. But Dana had an old friend in the area. Dana knew a guy named Sean or something, and he had lived in Nashville for years, and apparently Dana had gone out on a date with him in Chicago years ago. I think she still had a crush on him, but he was very nice and generous and bailed both of us out. <laughs> still, we had a class A misdemeanor on our hands. Wonderful. I was starting to hate Nashville. Let me guess, you went back to the hotel and had to face more drunk Oktoberfest people? They were all staying at the hotel. Everywhere we went, there were these just sloppy dudes hitting on us. Get this, one of them came up to me with a t-shirt that had a brat on it, and it said, I'm on my worst behavior. Worst. Get it? Ugh. Meanwhile, we were so hungry, we had nothing to eat but these, like, phallic bratwursts for dinner. So the hotel was super loud. We barely slept. It sucked. The whole trip was terrible. I was arrested. I got thrown up on, and I couldn't escape this Oktoberfest and these bachelorettes. I just wanted to hear a darn good country song. Dana was just advising me to sleep, and we'd have a better experience the next day, but then... Larry cut off the credit card connected to the hotel room. So now with no money and no place to stay, Stacy and Dana were forced to leave their hotel room and figure out where to go. They still had the first class flight home two days later, but without any money or anywhere to stay, they were forced to cut the trip short. We had to leave Nashville. All of my finances were connected to Larry's and Dana was in the midst of her divorce. So basically had nothing. It sucked. It was my first time going to Nashville and I had an atrocious experience. We drove the Ford Festiva back towards Chicago. I didn't even call the airline for a refund so that Leary would have to face the fact that nobody used his first class tickets. We got back to Chicago and Dana introduced me to her lawyer and Dana let me stay with her for a while. Did Larry ever find out about your arrest? Of course he did. And his lawyer tried to paint me as some drug-addled, psychotic woman on the verge of a nervous breakdown in court. I admitted that we were stupid in trying to buy the marijuana and luckily the judge sided with my stories of betrayal and Larry's unfaithful ways. Larry denied everything. But luckily, Katie was so young that she caved in and eventually broke down and said it was all true. She was actually on my team and claimed that Larry had said we were breaking up and all that. Poor girl. I actually felt a little sorry for her. Wow. I don't know if I would have been able to forgive her. I never said I forgave her. In fact, I can't stand her. So tell me, did you ever get a chance to go back to Nashville? <laughs> well... Here's the ironic thing. A couple of years ago, my friend Wendy had her bachelorette party in Nashville, and yep, I went. I wore the penis hat and the dumb t-shirt and drank shots and requested wagon wheel. I turned into one of those obnoxious girls I hated, and you know what? It was awesome. I had the time of my life. I heard all the best music and even met a guy. It was everything I expected the first time. That's amazing. Where's Larry today? Probably still living in his parents' old house. Who cares? Well, we've checked our burner phones, eaten too much bratwurst, and listened to Wagon Wheel 100 times. So let's go over some of Andy's travel tips. Tip number one. If you're going through a bad breakup, take a little minute to get things in order before you travel. 
You will never be as relaxed immediately after a breakup as you will be if you wait a few months. Last thing you want to do is be a buzzkill on your vacation. Tip number two, electric vehicles are okay in the city and some Teslas perhaps have chargers all over the US. But if you're on a road trip through Indiana, don't take an electric vehicle. You never know when those EV chargers are going to be out of order or even available. Tip number three, before you book a trip, see what local events are taking place in the vicinity before you travel. You never know when you might encounter a bad music festival, a car show, or yes, even an Oktoberfest. Until next time, thanks for listening to Welcome to Paradise, It Sucks, and don't forget to write a review wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, follow me at Let's Not Meet Cast on Instagram for more updates on upcoming episodes, and check out my other shows, Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, Odd Trails, and the Old Time Radio Cast, all at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you've got an awful, terrible vacation story that you want to tell, we want to hear about it it could form the basis of the next classic episode. Please email us at welcometoparadiseitsucks at gmail.com. Welcome to Paradise It Sucks is a collaboration between Cloud 10 Media and Cryptic County. The executive producers are Andy Tate and Sim Sarna. The producers and writers are Zach Selwyn and Devin Ruskin. All my bags are packed and I'm ready to go. See you next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.